Hi, I'm Carla Ryder-Beckin and welcome to Faith in Media, our Christians in Media podcast. Join us for unique stories of believers bringing salt and light into a challenging industry. Prepare for some honest conversations about how our guests occupy both secular and Christian spaces, giving voice to thought-provoking topics that will challenge and inspire everyone and anyone interested in the world of media. It's another one of our Christians in Media podcasts here with Faith in Media. Carla, your host here. And I'm so honoured to be sharing our platform today with Sarah Holloway. Sarah, welcome to Faith in Media. How are you today? Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm doing well. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I, I love that you are someone that I feel, if I may say, wears a lot of different hats or has worn many different hats. And I think that's probably the mildest way to describe it. But Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and we are a, a media podcast, and we know that this is something that you sit in quite comfortably. Tell us a little bit about that. So, yes, it's certainly a journey that I didn't expect all those <laughs> years ago, and I think lots of people have said, you know, whenever I meet them, I go, what are you doing now? You know, <laughs> and they put me in a box and say, this is, you know, I thought you were X, Y, Z. So a bit of background, so I was a professional dancer. And then I worked with a band back in the 80s, Christian band, although we were in the secular charts. Uh, I then became a filmmaker and a teacher, kind of uh, parallel, really, I think, wow. all the sort of times, was working a bit in film and then got into filmmaking whilst I was teaching, taught media, film, dance, performing arts, drama and IT, textiles and various things. Wow. <laughs> and I felt, I think, like a jack of all trades, I mm. think. Maybe people or audience could recognize this when you feel like you're not the expert in any one of those things, but you know a lot about different areas. And it wasn't until I realized I was directing. So I've also directed like live theater, open air theater with 100 plus volunteers. And that was an amazing experience but I realized in that moment that that's what I love to do and that's where all of the different aspects of what I'd done before was mm. just coming and culminating together but what God really revealed to me and I realized what what my call or my core my why as people call it from the very beginning is I know God called me to communicate his heart mm. so in whatever format that looks like you know, whether it is through film or dance or drama or music, whatever creative way that is. So I've also authored a book uh, this year that was published this year. And people are going, oh, now you've put author to your list. And it's like, well, I wasn't intending to do that. I was just looking to communicate God's heart. And mm. that was the most practical way that I could do that in that moment and that the Lord was leading me in. So that's kind of like who I am, I suppose, in the nutshell. That is a fantastic uh, little capsule of of all the things that you've done. And, and it's amazing that you've just had such a privilege, um, it's kind of breadth of experience and depth of experience among so many different roles. And, and I can't wait to talk some more about that. But before we get into the details and the depths, which we love to do here at Faith in Media, is I like to start off with a bit of an icebreaker question, just to have a little bit of fun. Um, have you ever made a bucket list? And what are some of the things on it? Has anything been ticked off? And what is yet to be done? 
That's a really good question. I remember watching a film years ago about the bucket list and I yeah. thought about it and I thought, do I have a bucket list? And I realized that I probably don't. <laughs> um, there's things I think you always think, oh, that would be amazing. Mm. And then when you do something, so when I took, we have, I was assistant producer on a film, it wasn't a, a Christian film. And I was invited to yeah, be the assistant producer on that. And we took the film over to Cannes Film Festival to the Marche de Film and being there in Cannes. And I thought, oh, wow, isn't this awesome? This is something I would want to put on my bucket list. Although I realized that as much as I enjoyed having had that experience compared to really being in the presence of God, I don't think anything compares. It felt it, it showed me how fake our mm. world could be. Mm, and mm. how false the media and that media film world but it's one of those things people go oh wow you went there and you got in behind the scenes at some of the things and that felt like actually if I was really going to put it on a bucket list if I knew what it was going to look like that was like nothing in comparison to the experience I've had uh with God in in sometimes little spaces yeah just you know, I was at um, Creation Fest recently and having an opportunity to have this miraculous encounter with a woman who didn't know God at a B&B &B because she'd left her lights on. And she was talking to me about she'd been reading through Revelation, didn't understand it, these seven scrolls and this lamb who has to open this scroll. And I was there able to unpack the word of God to her, the Bible, and sort of explain what she was questioning and pray with her and then just leave it with her and who knows where her journey will take her. But to me, that was much more of an exciting moment than mm. being some of the spaces that I've had the privilege to be in. That's amazing. No, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally fine. And I think what you said is, is such a crucial thing. I think obviously we're a faith based a media podcast and it's and and that's a centrality it's it's what draws us all together it's the connecting glue between us all and hearing our stories that's always the one factor that's there and there's nothing wrong I think at all with having a bucket list hence why we ask it for fun and also some of these are part of the aspirations part of those even like god dreams of of things to places to travel things to have achieved but really what you've described is that sense of contentedness that actually I got to do this in in terms of sharing my faith the basic thing in its simplicity and how enriching that is. And really all of those things come down to that principle, isn't it? It's quite a basic thing, but it's such a central part of who we are as a community. Now, you've already mentioned that you've worked in so many different forms of media. Um, you know, it, it's quite different going from being, you, you mentioned that you were a dancer, you've been a producer on a film, you are a director of your own film, Lucy, the documentary, which was incredibly powerful and moving. And I would definitely love you to speak about that in a little while. Um, it, you know, everything is, could you, could you share with us, like, how did you get onto all of those? Did you know that you were going to get into those kind of areas, <laughs> particular to media? Or was the stuff that you know, that was kind of in your heart beforehand, it was just a matter of time when the opportunities came. Share us a little bit as to how you kind of you know, got to those kind of very huge landmarks, if I may say. Well, in fact, all of them have been my journey. And I think this wow. is my story. This is my testimony um, because there is a pattern that I mm. recognize in each one of these areas. So you asked me, did I know? Well, I said no. I kind of shook my head. <laughs> but then I thought, actually, my spirit did. Wow. Because there's a, a scripture, I'm trying to think which one it is. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, 
that I will teach you and instruct you in the way you will go. I will guide mm. you with my eye. And there's lots of interpretations or versions of the Bible in English that say, I will guide mm. you with my eye upon you. And I knew God was speaking to me and showing me something about that. And I felt like a naughty child. It's like, well, I'm watching you, you know, I've got my eye on you. And it just didn't feel right. And I prayed about it. And God said, no, I show you with my eye. I revealed to you and I think I give an example in my book of how when you know my children would play chess with my husband and I'm not the best chess player but you know okay um we do like to play and I would show them with my eyes look you know there there <laughs> like <laughs> you do, over there yeah and I kind of realized that that's what God does he kind of said look this is where I mm. want to send you and sometimes you get a sense of it and I think, you know, through scripture, when I read the Bible in the early days and God said, I'm going to give you a platform, you know, when he speaks to Jeremiah, he says, I'm going to put you as a voice mm. to the nations." Mm. And I would never have told anybody that publicly because at the time I was, you know, living in a single parent family. I'd come from a lot of abuse and trauma, of bullying and all kinds of things. And I was quite, friends wouldn't have realized, but on the inside, there was so much anxiety and behind closed doors, you know, my mom saw when I was really having a breakdown, you know, I was just there rocking or sucking my thumb at 18, <laughs> you know, it was shameful to say, but I was having that mental health moment where I just thought, what's the point in life? life and God kind of stepped in and drew me out and demonstrated to me that because he'd seen me and he knew me I recognized that I must have purpose that my life had even though I didn't know what it would look like so when he gave me this scripture in Jeremiah I was like you know I can't tell anyone that you know I'm in this kind of obscure place in southeast London where nobody really recognized me in that sense but within three months when I was saved, I was in my final year and then leaving uh, dance college and I'd laid it down. I kind of said, OK, Jesus, you know, I just want to go around, tell everyone about you, because I got to the point and realized previously that dance had become more important than anything else in my life. It was my escapism. It was the place where I just mm -hmm. thought, sure, this is freedom. And when I got saved, I realized that actually, Jesus, you I gave my life to you because I was making a mess of it. So I need all of you and I have to let go when I read, you know, don't have anything before me. And I realized I did, so I laid it down. And that's when he gave me that scripture and said, right, I'm going to give this back to you, but it's going to be for my glory, not for you. And Within three months, I found myself on this stage, massive auditorium. I'd gone with a couple of dancers from a workshop who'd invited me to go and dance. They were going to do this YMCA celebration in mm -hmm. Sweden. And the next thing, it was like this massive stadium, thousands of people, king and queen of Sweden on the front row. And I was given a microphone. It was televised to the nation of Sweden. And I was given a microphone to sort of introduce what we were doing, why we were doing what we were doing. We were Christians. We were telling kind of Bible stories and themes through the dance. And I had this amazing opportunity to preach the gospel and before royalty and to the whole nation of Sweden. And in that moment, I knew that when God speaks, he performs his word. He watches over it yeah. to perform it. And I knew that was true. And whilst I was in this dance um, company, I just felt, you know, they were very classically chained. I was contemporary chained, but because of all the trauma and stuff in my life, I wanted to really do a lot of performance that was hitting some of those raw issues. Mm. 
um, particularly as a teenager, because I was such a mess. It was like I wanted to help people that felt the same. And so I ended up again, I just went to a gig. <laughs> this gig, I heard this band were about to release a song into the secular charts as a Christian band, Heartbeat. What was the name of the band? Heartbeat. Heartbeat. So, Sue Rinaldi, if anyone knows her, she was the lead singer, um, part of Ray and Nancy Gowdy, kind of initiate that as part of NGM. But yes, we had Tears from Heaven and the winner that was released into the secular charts. We got to number 32 in the charts, okay. did a lot of TV stuff. But prior to that, I'd just gone to a gig. I just felt I needed to be there. I got a sense of this is where you need to be. These people are doing what I'm calling you to do, mm. but you're going to be using dance. I didn't know they were looking for a dancer. They were a band. <laughs> Who would have thought that a band would be actively looking at that moment for a dancer? And I mm -hmm. just happened, um, you know, to, to just before we left, I just said, yeah. I just want to thank the guy and I saw he was free because they said don't come up unless you want prayer I said look I don't want prayer but I just wanted to say thank you and he said no no come chat and the next thing you know they were asking me to come and audition and we saw hundreds and hundreds of people particularly young people you know yeah. free filled with the Holy Spirit just on their knees crying to God and that was more impactful mm. from being on stage and doing the amazing stuff that we did was the transformation in life so Every moment, and the same with film, doors open, teaching. I was not qualified. I had some O-levels. I did not have A-levels. I had an E in theatre studies. Mm -hmm. um, and I only did that because when I went to college, dance college, you had to do an A-level. Um, an A -level. Yeah, yeah. And I was too young, really. I was 16. You're supposed to have been 18 to start professional dance college. Uh, but they let me in and said, right, but you're going to have to do this A-level in one year, which I did and was, you know. So again, I just got a call. Somebody sort of this school needed a teacher and they were desperate. My CV, I think I'd sent out my CV at some point, don't know why. And they kind of said, you know, we're desperate. You applied back in April and it was now August. Mm. And we didn't look at you because you're not qualified. <laughs> but they kind of said that. Um, but they said, the students start next week. Can you come in? <laughs> so mm. I just said, said well if you make a mess of it which they kind of expected me to don't worry we're going to get a new professional an actual teacher in in the next few months um and I ended up staying there a year doing more subjects and they said you need to go and get trained and uh, doors opened up and for film I was I was whilst I was teaching at a sixth form college and I was asked to teach media. I knew a bit about filmmaking but I didn't know half the terminology and the theorists I learned on the job but they gave me this opportunity and I just knew God had opened the doors and he'd said, there's no better way to learn than to have to teach. And I, I, wow, did I learn so much on that job? Absolutely. <laughs> and in that time, I'd sort of connected with a film producer locally, just invited him to come and speak to my students. And the next thing he was inviting me to come and be the assistant producer on his film. Wow. But prior to that, um, I'd taken the students, it was in my first year of teaching, <laughs> teaching media and film. I'd, I'd done one year as a drama teacher, but then one year as, you know, when I started, I hadn't even qualified at that point. I qualified, took me another two years to qualify part-time, but I created a residential film school for the students. And I thought, wouldn't that be great? You know, I've done a lot of mm. film stuff and with my church and filmmaking, that kind of filmmaking. And uh, wouldn't it be great to teach 
the students, you know, with a real life, you know, director. So I knew yeah. somebody was a director and invited him to come along. And it was like giving the students this experience I never dreamt would be an opportunity for me. And so the director there was a Christian and he'd done last night BBC and things. Mm. And he said to me, you know, he saw some of my work. He said, what are you doing working on your own? Because I'd just gone out to Sri Lanka. I So, yeah, backstory. I'd done a bit of, um, I hadn't done anything actually in my church at that point. No filming, no nothing. <laughs> uh, it started I just knew in my spirit, I went to see a film uh, at the cinema and like God said, I want you working in film. Because why? I think it's important to go to the why is because I'm a storyteller, mm -hmm. a communicator, and I understand how the spiritual dimension impacts our physical, our reality, what we see. There's so much going on that impacts on what we're seeing and I suddenly saw that in dance I wasn't able to demonstrate that but in wow. film you can show things that yeah. tell stories and my heart just leapt at the possibilities you know mm -hmm. things that things weren't even in the in anybody's perception in yeah. those years all those years before and I'd seen even before we had Christian radio, I'd seen screens and God showed me people on their faces, crying, weeping, repenting, getting filled with the spirit just through seeing somebody on a screen. Yeah. And something in my spirit leapt. But we didn't even have things like Premier Radio, UCB, UBN, <laughs> God Channel. None of that existed. But I remember crying and out to God to mm. see the things that I was seeing in my spirit mm, mm, mm. and so you know I'd said to the Lord you know you've got to make a way and in fact my son was at a club and my husband had taken him and he he said oh I got chatting to this guy and he does these film courses so I went along to two weekend film courses it was like a Friday night to Sunday thing and that's where I met this director and and then I didn't know what to do with it, but we'd gone out via Sri Lanka on this uh, family holiday thing that we had. Long, that's another story. I have to stop myself. If I keep falling, <laughs> we will go to too many places. Yeah. <laughs> when I was there, my kids came back and the tsunami hit that year. Oh, wow. Just we'd take gone in the September. It was for a wedding and in the. December the tsunami hit and I felt like we've got to do something my kids were asking they were wanting to pray they were only at like junior and infant school age and it was like my husband turned around and said Sarah you've just gone on these two film video schools I mean they're only two weekend learning the basics he said you go go make a film and I ended up going out there wow. um, and filming in Sri Lanka and didn't know what to do with it. But that's when this director saw the work that I'd done. I said, what are you doing on your own? Mm. And I, I said, well, I just know that I'm supposed to be in film, but I don't know how to. And he said, mm. well, let's just pray. So we prayed. That was in the sort of September, October when I ran this residential. And in the January was when this non-Christian producer came and asked me to work on his film. You see, I didn't go knocking on the doors. I didn't go pushing doors or mm -hmm. emailing everybody. But I was on my face saying, Lord, you've said mm -hmm. this. You do what you've already shown me in the spirit. You do what you've already spoken mm -hmm. in my life. I just want to come into alignment with your purpose. 
Yeah. So often we're looking at, and I know when I talk sometimes about, you know, what's your purpose? What should you do? But actually it's us coming in alignment with his purpose. It's been a beautiful opportunity just to listen to how your story has evolved over time. And without a doubt, I think anybody that comes across this conversation will be moved by that, particularly because the one common denominator between you having very diverse experiences has been the same. And that is an obedience to God. And I think one of the verses that just really sprung up to me at that point in time, especially when you said that the first place that he put you when you said yes to the call was in front of kings and queens. And that's actually a proverb. He will not bring, he will bring you before kings and not unknown men. And if we really, should I say, surrender ourselves to this call that God places inside of us, if he's asking us into the creative space or within the media space, um, you know, the more that we lean, lean into him and his call about it, who knows what he is capable of doing with us in the simple obedience. And I love that you keep saying that, like it wasn't me knocking on doors. And I think we definitely have our parts to play. And it sounded like you still had to do your work. <laughs> you still had to do the work. You still had to turn up and collaborate with certain people and, and find your way in, in terms of actually producing what God is asking you to do. But it wasn't in terms of I'm going to strive in my own strength. I'm trusting God. What, where is the next place you want me to tread? Where is it the place that you want me to toil in the soil, you know, so to speak, which is so encouraging to hear. Now, you have such a powerful testimony, Sarah, and you have been able to use just kind of what God has placed inside of you, that vision, and you've made it reality. It's, it's, it's birthed outwards. We see the evidence of it. It's become tangible, real things. For those that don't know, Sarah's book, uh, Discern the Times, is recently published this year. Like, you know, how is your testimony? You mentioned that you were not in a good place when God stepped in. Great plug. We will definitely have those details at the bottom of the caption as well, which is wonderful. How, in which ways has it influenced or translated into, it's clear the depth of the passion that you have on all of these platforms. Did you find that experience, your story coming through the work that you were doing, even if it was about stories for other people or stories about things that were not related to you directly? Did you find there was kind of a, an interconnection between that as you, as you progressed on your journey? Definitely. I mean, I didn't see it at the time. It's a bit like when I stopped to write this book and it was because I stopped because I was feeling a little bit like I need a holiday. I haven't had a holiday since way before lockdown. And yeah. prior to that, you know, my husband had had open heart surgery um, and I've been working really, really hard on, you know, Lucy breaking the silence when I directed that and then edited it. And so after that, I'd just done a lot of stuff, teaching and mm -hmm. editing, and working and it was like I realized that I needed a bit of a rest and I needed a bit of time out and I needed to, I believe this will help people listening, is mm. I need to clear my head from the clutter, from the noise. Yeah. I realized that I was saying, thinking, I know, Lord, there's certain things you're showing me, but the temptation is to kind of there's so much resource online to try and make it happen now something you said just now about being faithful in doing you don't the waiting is active it's yeah. not a sit and do nothing and so before I was you know when I'd done that little film in Sri Lanka I was then invited to my church they had a media team and mm -hmm. I've been invited before but they invited me to join and to help I spent years <laughs> months and months and months cable bashing you know holding the cable yeah. learning through watching yeah 
you know, making the teas and coffees. And I was not a young woman. I had three children at home at that time. Wow. And so I do want to re-emphasize what you said there, that be faithful in learning the skills, in being, you know, volunteering to help mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. being around others that are ahead of you. Yeah. Even when you feel like, you know, a lot of these guys were a lot younger than me. And, you know, that was that was a challenge because I had to serve. And I think it's important that we remember we don't ever stop serving. Yeah, that's so powerful. And, and I love also, I, I, I want to just kind of shine a bit of like what you said there. And I think we, we underestimate that sometimes, no matter who picks this up, we, we have a mentoring program here at Christians and Media for young people, but that does not restrict when God is able to use you. And I love that you've mentioned if God is calling you to do something, we have to have a positive humility to like submit ourselves to the being faithful bit of where is he placed us to learn? go and build somebody else's dream and serve theirs before he necessarily maybe is going to give you, you know, the freedom to do your own, but that's where we're learning. And even if you feel like, am I too, if other people are younger than me or further ahead than me, where is my place in this? We cannot look at that. There is purpose behind all of that. And we are really governed by God's kind of timescale and not our own, even though I know specifically in media that I can feel sometimes that there are time limits of opportunity but from what you've just said, you shattered that kind of glass ceiling already. So, yeah, what was that like? How did that feel? Because that's not, I think, an easy thing that maybe people don't always talk about as well very often. You mentioned this is not the season of life that you thought you'd be learning these very basic skills, holding cables. What did that feel like for you? Um, it was very humbling in many ways. Yeah. And it was that, and I think it's, you know, you asked the question about the book, you know, where did that come from? But mm. one of the thing was, you know, having done all that I've done, I really wanted to, you know, help, you know, get, bring all the creatives together. I have a vision to yeah. see, you know, dancers, filmmakers, musicians, singers, artists, you know, actors all coming together. I have great vision for that. But God said, they're not ready. Wow. They're not ready. And I realized that I have gone through a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, even since being a Christian, even since those times when I've been doing these amazing things in public, I've also gone through some real challenges. And so I was going through other challenges, not just the serving part, but it was like, if God is who he says he is, mm. if he is the Lord who I know him to be from when I was younger and saw him open those miraculous doors, see him move and bring healing, healings that just I could not explain. And your brain afterwards can kind of water it down. Well, maybe this, maybe that. Yeah. I had to say either this word is true. Mm. God is almighty. Yeah. All seeing. Mm. all knowing or I'm bigger than him yeah and it was in that moment it's like well your word says to serve mm. and so I'm gonna it was like embracing the pain mm -hmm. I've had to do that many many times in my life embrace the pain in a way of saying I'm going to choose no matter what I feel to declare life and truth in my life, in my home, in my family, in my circumstances, to you don't always have the energy to do those things. But in the time when you don't have the energy, you you are doing it in your spirit. Mm -hmm. You're aligning with the truth of what the word says, despite the opposite appearing to be true. 
Yeah. And so yeah. when you choose to forgive and say through gritted teeth, sometimes I forgive that person. You know, I remember marching up and down my living room or my bedroom one day, just somebody had really said some stuff that was really painful. And I've had to do it many times since. But I remember the first time I did it, I, I just probably spent about an hour saying, I just forgive that woman. I forgive her in the name of Jesus. God, it's hurt so bad. But I'm going to say I forgive her because you love her because you and, you know, you created her. That's She's real life. Right? Yeah. And it was it wasn't that God needed that hour of my time. I needed it until something shifted in me. I kept mm. speaking it out until something shifted. A bit like the Psalms when I think David was like, woe is me. And then he'd kind of work through it and then go, but mm. God, you are mm. so much greater. How can I, little ant, compare wisdom, mm. my foolishness with yours? I think that's it's just so important to hear that. And thank you so much for sharing that. It's that's the real the real daily reality of what it means to occupy this space. If God has called us to whatever endeavor in the creativity world or whatever it is that he's called you to do with the purpose that's driven behind it is it means you're going to encounter adversity. It's going to be challenges. You are going to be the person actually changing through all of that and that leads so beautifully I think into my next question because I think that's kind of an area that I don't always think gets enough you know day in the spotlight is we talk about being creative and we produce our creativity and people see the evidence of it on a stage piece or in a film or in a song that we've written or in our performances but the whole idea of the creative process is so multi-dimensional and one of the things that we don't always tend to look at is actually how we are impacted in the process of birthing it through. And my question to you in all of that is, in which way have you found your work to have changed or developed you personally? And you've you've had so many amazing opportunities. Is there, can you, can you look at yourself and say, I remember actually this really shifted a perspective in me. I learned this about myself during this project or this endeavor. Has there ever been kind of scenarios like that for you? Yes, I think numerous. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one, for example. I'm not sure if I can pick out one, but I think the whole journey, everything you're doing in many ways. So one obviously is pride. That's an obvious one where you realize, you know, you want to, I remember being on tour and hearing about how Cliff Richard, you know, would treat even the roadies and the people just serving mm. with as much respect and dignity as other people but I remember when I was first in that situation and being on stage and I remember looking back and think there were moments when I felt like oh I'm I'm the, I'm up there you know <laughs> down here in the you know like who are you kind of thing yeah and, and you know I was very young and very naive and I think being aware that whoever in whatever area of creativity or wherever you're positioned don't don't judge when I was even in Cannes I remember and these are not Christians that a lot of the people that had the most money the most influence the most kind of credits to their name in a worldly sense uh, didn't dress accordingly you wouldn't know who they were in fact they were the opposite and they were the ones that were just in their jeans and sandals <laughs> these guys and t-shirts scruffy t-shirts um, but often how the world would see as someone who had, they just knew who they were. They didn't yeah. need to prove anything. And I think, you know, that was one of the important lessons I learned is that God doesn't judge 
yeah. in the way that the world judges and right. the same with skills I realized that there was so much on a practical level as well mm. with skills that I didn't know I didn't know yeah. until I was in an environment and somebody who knew something that I didn't that I didn't even know you needed to know <laughs> so <laughs> when it's a bit like editing oh I can just edit a video you know there's so much free software and there's an element of truth mm. in that but there's a, so much more that people don't know. They don't know the power of how to tell that story or why. Why do you use a close up as opposed to a long shot yeah. or a mid or a wide or canted or whatever else? You know, why do you use those specific mm. um, angles or like that lighting? Because it's the power of how you communicate that story. They're things that people mm -hmm. don't know. They just think you get the footage, you can film something that looks good, edit it so it looks good, and mm. not understand how that is communicating to an audience yeah and I realized in every probably every area of creativity that there's so much more that we don't know that we don't know <laughs> yeah. in that moment and then we discover it and I think if you can accept that that's definitely half the journey there in terms of if I can do that it helps that that like you said let, let's keep that posture that heart posture in check because if we have a constant kind of approach of humility like and I'm aware that I'm only gonna know what I know right now and that what I know is never all there is to know it means it puts us in a place that we'll always be learning we'll always be open to when things don't always go to plan and, and you mentioned that even when you started as a Christian and you had some incredible you know like landmark moments of you know seeming I would say the word success they are successful achievements even if it's God that created the platform for you and open doors that no one else seems to be able to do for you out of nothing is to consider that actually there were some challenges along the way as well. It, it wasn't just one amazing mountaintop moment to another. I wondered if you could kind of share a little bit about that. Like has the, have there been big challenges along the way as well as these wonderful, great, you know, accomplishments for you and, and what has that been like navigating? Um, interesting navigating, but I think just at, this represents, it's a little pearl. It kind of represents 30 years of marriage. That's a long time to kind of tell you my age. But, <laughs> and I was not a, I was not a teen uh, bride or anything like that. But, but what it actually represents is grit. It yes. A bit of dirt, an aggravation, something that shouldn't be there. You know, when that, that, oyster receives that irritation that pearl that annoyance yeah you know it does something to fight it to push it away and I've gone through some extreme stuff um so, you know I, I mentioned that I'd gone through abuse and trauma and stuff when I was young yeah. but I've also gone through intense challenges that I didn't plan I don't kind of share everything um, publicly purely because it's not just about me of course so, you know there's other people that mm -hmm. are involved mm -hmm. and um, and that journey for me has been, you know, decades. It wasn't just five years, you know, two years, one year. I'm going to pray and God's going to just transform the yeah. situation or yeah. the circumstances or the people or person involved. You know, that has been a journey. And through that journey, God covers it with his grace. Mm. He just covers it with that beautiful substance yeah. Uh, in his mercy of his grace which gives you the ability to choose to do the right thing and, and I think for me I was you know kicking and screaming and I mean I spent years where I even you know many many nights cried myself to sleep in situation wow. thinking 
how how can I navigate this? How can I move mm. forward? I mean, mm. one situation I was in was even when I, which I can share, was when I moved into my home where we live now, been here, you know, many years. But when we first moved in, it had live woodworm throughout. We were just about to extend the downstairs uh, bathroom, remove that, put that upstairs, extend the kitchen. And the whole house was riddled with live woodworm. I had three children all at school, you know, quite young. Mm. My youngest at the time was about two. And they were, the work, the room was chaos. The house was chaos. So I was sleeping uh, on the floor with my daughter. You know, everything was in boxes. We hadn't unpacked. I had no kitchen for five months, no bathroom for three oh, months, goodness. you know, no hot water for a week. I was remember taking my children round to, you know, someone's house saying, please can I have a shower <laughs> or the local. Oh my gosh. Yes. Try and get a, get a cup of tea in the morning. And nobody knew you know and my husband didn't cope with the stress of that and we ended up parting for six months so I found mm. myself on my own for that six month period and you know he had no income because you know he'd lost his job I was not a teacher at that time so I had I was a dancer and then mother with three young children and you know nobody knew what it was like I was camping in my own home but it was after I'd just come back from Sri Lanka and seeing after the tsunami how everybody had lost not just family but you know the, their businesses their clothes off their back everything and 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 yeah I could say not just family family was the, the key that they'd lost loved ones and here I was with a house with with a roof over my head mm. I didn't know how I was going to put food on the table every day and every moment was a miracle. Every provision was a miracle day to day. And I could, couldn't could see. It was weeks, months. It ended up being about five years, three years before it looked anything like a home. Five years before I really kind of felt like we'd moved in and made it a home and got our kitchen and bathroom um, sorted and our children had their bedrooms. And, yeah. But it was chaos. And it was and it was an incredibly challenging time for each one of us, but in different ways. My husband right. was going from, you know, he expected just come in, provide for a family, and suddenly the rug was taken from his under his feet too. And I didn't at that time see his perspective. Um, but on reflection, we can say actually, you know, he felt like a failure as a husband. Wow. Because here we were in a situation that we didn't plan and the whole of our downstairs floor had to be taken up and replaced. Yeah. Um, so we just had, you know, head stairs hanging, um, you know, really wasn't a place to bring up children. And I was just like, what we do because we didn't yeah. have more money to, to fix it. And the insurance, we were in a legal battle with the insurance company for five years and ended up really not getting anything. But that's another story. But it's so it important was. to hear because this ties in so well, I think, with with what we started with, particularly on this point is, you know, people have huge aspirations and even like it didn't stop that God had a calling on your life. It didn't stop that his grace wasn't there. And like you mentioned, the whole grit analogy, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful symbol to be wearing. I'm a big fan of pearls myself. So it was already uh, a, a winner for me. But that that's such a that's a true element. And I don't I don't think we consider that about what potentially may lie ahead. It doesn't stop God's goodness. It doesn't stop that the call was still there. And that the achievements and the glory that he was going to bestow on you as a vessel who's going to help him bring these things to pass. How do you how do you hold on to that when things are really tough? 
I, I, I know exactly what you meant. Living in a building site is no joke with no ch- with small children who are completely dependent on you. And like you've just mentioned, all the other elements that were going on all at the same time. How did you hold on? How did you hold on? And I think, again, it's like I said to my children, you know, when my husband left for that six month period, you know, we didn't know at one point, you know, he was talking about divorce and things like that. Um, But I said to my children, I said, God put us together. You know, God is the one who's in control of our lives and he loves Mm. you, loves daddy, he loves us and he's going to bring him back. But we're camping. You know, our church used to run a camp every year, faith camp. And I said, you know, we're just camping in our own home. And they'd been to Sri Lanka, they'd seen before the tsunami, and then they'd seen on the television, and they saw the footage that I brought back. I actually went and showed the raw footage to the local, to their school. And the children responded and sent pictures and all sorts of things out back out, coloring crayons and things. And saw how even the tiniest thing could impact somebody else's life. Huge. Yeah. Um, And it was like that brought hope to my children. That's what I was aiming to do. Now, they've gone through their own journey because of the, the challenges we've walked through. They've had to work it out for themselves. And the cry of a mother is you want to say just, you know, um, I was saying to someone yesterday, you know, like Joseph, when he go- went through his journey, you know, if you were Joseph's mom, you go, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to break that curse off, that slavery mentality, bring him out, you know, bring him <laughs> from the prison. you would be going at it in the spirit. And, and God just said, you know, there is a bigger picture, mm. such a bigger picture than what you can see right now. And he often through my journey gave me the kind of parallel of Joseph that you couldn't see what the end result would be he couldn't see when he was in prison yeah. when his, his brothers rejected him when he was rejected and betrayed mm. by Potiphar's wife he couldn't see the bigger picture that mm. mm. God was training him and was planning him planning yeah. for something much bigger and it wasn't even about Joseph anyway it was totally not about him it was about God's people the children of Israel he yeah. wanted to make sure that they didn't go through the famine and die. So he mm. said, well, I need to get somebody in position. So let's just get this person who's just an empty vessel and let's just put something in them. Let's take them through a lot of challenges because I want to use them. But it's not about you. It's not about, you know, um, and I think we often forget that everyone in the Bible, we see the heroes and the miracles. And I think during that time, I just had to get back into the word. But God would use things such as Lord of the Rings. Oh, my Lord of the Rings. I just epic, epic, epic series of films, though. Epic. I mean, <laughs> there I was watching it and Frodo going, why has this ring come to me? I don't want it. You know, <laughs> I wish I could go back. Can't somebody get and Gandalf comes over and said, it's not for you to decide. Mm. It's not for you to decide, but you can choose how you embrace yeah. what God has given to you, the life you live. We can't change our lives. When mm-hmm. I look at people like I did in the Sri Lanka and you see people living in extreme poverty or health challenges and heartaches and losses and bereavements and extreme stuff, you think, you know, how can I not be thankful that you know, for the little that I have or for the Mm. much that I have, because we have so much. Yes, we have. (laughs) And the one thing that God showed me was like this life 
In fact, I remember a producer, a producer came up to me and he said, uh, you know, Sarah, he, he didn't know the half of what I'd gone through. Really, <laughs> But he said, uh, you know, I think it was a, a point my husband just, you know, was was let lo loose from his job at that time. And he said, Sarah, you just seem to have one thing after another. You know, what is, go what is going on? You believe in God. You're a Christian. Why is it kind mm -hmm. of like none of my friends they're not Christians they don't have it as tough as you they don't seem to go through all these traumas and stuff and uh and I remember just God just gave me the words and I said to him you're right you know we live in a world that's messy mm. we live in you know this this earth that is full of sin and most of the trauma and the stuff that we um experience is as a result of either our own sin and unhealthy and wrong yeah unhealthy decisions or others yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even the effects on our planet. Sure. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. As a result of our choices, you know. And so, but this life in comparison to eternity, where God says, you know, I promise to be with you in the mess, but I'm going to be with you forever. And you can be mm. with me in the goodness of forever. <laughs> it's like I said to him in your very own words, a phrase that he would commonly use. It's like, it is a blip, this life mm. in comparison to eternity. And if you're going to choose which one, it's a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Mm. So the no-brainer is am I going to choose in the pain to praise yeah when I don't want to or am I going to succumb now we all have moments of self-pity <laughs> I mean I've had plenty you know, <laughs> ourselves and being in that place but I think in those times I have to be really conscious of saying I'm going to zip the lip mm, mm, because mm. you know I'm feeling low and I realize now is not a good time yeah. <laughs> So I need to get into that place of stillness so that then I can say, even in my spirit, even if you have no words, you can praise in your spirit to say, I'm just trusting that you are bigger and you will turn this round for yeah. your glory. And even if I don't see it, like Habakkuk mm. said in the chapter, last chapter of Habakkuk, he said, even if I don't see what you've promised. Yeah, yeah well, I bless the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Because we've got eternity to reap the benefit. I think that is such a such an important perspective to consider for every person in terms of does this matter now what it feels like i'm holding on to for the call and for the glory of what god has asked me to do and we're kind of drawing to a bit of a close now but i wanted to ask you this question and we've spoken extensively about this beautiful range of platforms you've been able to occupy and hats you've been able to wear, to wear um to do what God's asked you to do as a storyteller did you ever feel that your work as a storyteller has been called for a specific audience um and if so who is it and and why that audience so I've often questioned in many ways because when I know that when I wrote the book, it was like God just said, this is a message for the church, you know, or for Christians, or, you know, for right, right, right. in this yeah. time. And so I was thinking, oh, you know, you know everybody, because I've always had a heart for young people, particularly that kind of, you know, probably your age, millennials and Gen Zs, you know, <laughs> with lots of zeal and passion and coming in to be able to use your gifts and the creativity that God gives you and have a real passion for, for that demographic. Yeah. But I realised that my heart and that I have very much is for those that perhaps feel overlooked 
that like me felt like I was going through rubbish. I was like that one in 1 Corinthians 25, no, 1 Corinthians 1 verses 25 to 29. It says, I choose the foolish things of this world, those who are as of nothing, shame the wise. And I remember going up to somebody quite prominent at the time in uh, media and Christian media. And I said to him, you know, he came and spoke at our church and I said, wow, God has really put in my heart to use film and to get into Christian media. And he kind of like, okay, what have you done? And he kind of really snubbed me. And, and I felt like, I felt like, you know, I could have read it wrong. Let me get, get, let me say, I don't want to diss anybody, but I could have read it wrong, but that's how it felt like. And I'm sure I've done the same to others. I'm sure Mm. felt the same. And it's like, because sometimes people don't recognize your gifts and skills and you can't expect everyone to know what's hidden, that treasure that is sometimes hidden because Mm. people will see the grit or the dirt. And so you have to just be faithful to allow God to do the work because God sees it. And I think I do have a real passion for people that know they're called, that have know they just want to give all that they have to serve the Lord. They may not know how and they may not know what that looks like and they may have a lot Mm. of training to do. Mm -hmm. But if you've got some kind of creative skill talent gift you know even if it is in its incubation stage um, but know that you you want to serve the lord in whatever capacity whether it seems to be in a secular space like the film that i directed Mm. or the christian space with the band and other things that i've done um i think that's really how i describe the the people (laughs) that that encourage that sounds incredible And, and it's so lovely to hear that like you you see you see the hearts that you're speaking to, you see who you're building for, you see who you're writing for, you see who you're constructing, you know, this platform for a visual demonstration of expression, you see the people that it's for, and the purpose behind it is so moving. And I want to leave this with this last question, Sarah, this has been an incredible conversation, I have had to hold back my own emotions listening to some of the things that you've shared. And I know that others will be just as touched, inspired, if, if not just about the fact that God can do anything, you've shown us that you've not only, he didn't just give it to you, he's shown you that he can bring it to pass, but also how he's just been so lovingly sustaining you and in strength. It doesn't sound like when I listen to your testimony that you've come to the other side of the fire with any smelling of smoke, you sound strong and you sound thriving and not someone that is broken by life and its processes, which all of us engage with at some stage in or in some season. What would be your advice for those starting to look out or into kind of the branches of forms of the creative expression in media? What would be your advice to, to those up and coming? And they've got, you know, big aspirations to get into the same kind of lines of work that you have done before. What would you advise to them? So I think a couple of things, first of all, is to make sure that you take time to lean into God. And what I mean by that is, you know, I used to think, oh, it just means you spend hours praying and hours reading the word. And I'm like, That's not what I'm saying. It's a heart position. Mm. So even just going for walks and giving yourself brain space, especially mm. in this kind of very connected social media technological world it's so tempting to look at every fad and what everybody else is doing because in that space you can allow God to speak to you if your heart is just positioned before God even if you're Mm -hmm. just walking in silence and enjoying nature he can speak to you Mm -hmm. and you will start to see 
things that you have a passion for and a heart for. So a lot of the creativity that I've done, I, I saw it when I was just worshipping God. I'd just be worshipping God and then I'd kind of get ideas and I'd realise I'm thinking around creative ideas and I think, oh, that's really bad. I should be praising God. But I realise now that it was because I was in worship and praise, God was giving me the download yeah. and he was showing me. And then he would show me spaces to, you know, um, connect with people. Go connect. Find mm-hmm. out if you can see somebody has got what you want connect with them and don't push it in a sense of feeling like oh this is going to be suddenly a miraculous answer to prayer it's just looking at how can I skill up I think you mentioned earlier the opportunity at Christians in media as a mentorship you know and and I also coach so I coach Mm. people that are looking mine is paid programs so it may not (laughs) for everybody but there are opportunities out there there are other people who will give opportunities and it's knowing you need to be able to invest whether that is money or whether it is just time yeah you know your energy Mm -hmm, be willing mm -hmm. to invest so take that time be positioned in your heart that surrender Mm -hmm. deeper the surrender the deeper he can the more easily he can shift Mm -hmm. you to the space Mm -hmm. that he wants you to be and being open to to invest um Mm -hmm. trying to yeah not not feel like you've got to grapple because i think that's that's the most challenging i think in this day and age for people not to do that because they think i'm going to miss it fear of missing out and so forth yeah and and that's not really something that should ever be driving any of our steps we need to be walking according to the faith of, of what God's placed inside of us, what he's asked us to do and according to his word. And everyone will be in their lane. Everyone will get to their destination if they use that as kind of like, this is how we approach. This is our pitch mark. This is our gauge. This is our standard. Thank you, Sarah, so much for being with us today. This has been an incredible conversation. I know I've said that You've already. You've been listening to Faith honestly, in Media I, with I Cara like and Make the, sure you the, catch the our episodes and hit subscribe. Really Please kind of share and leave us a comment. This is going to be beyond Christians in Media is a UK charity that supports, encourages, and in inspires Christians from across um, the ever-changing media landscape. And I think just a reminder of what we should Find be prioritising in media, how we should be positioning with us, our heart, where we should find our place in a world that is ever-changing and rapidly evolving, I think quicker than it's ever done in previous eras and generations before us. But just to find a place to be still, prioritize a stillness with God, to hear his voice clearly. And, and and we will be good with him. No matter what it looks like, we'll be good if we stick close to him. Sarah, it's been such an honor. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you. And before we go, anything that you would like to share with us in terms of what it is that we can be looking out for in terms of your work and how do we follow that, please? Um. So I am... I have some possible things, you know, when you're carrying things in your heart. Um, So just keep connected in. And, you know, if you want to contact me, you can email me at sarah at provisioncreatives.com. Go to provisioncreatives.com is my website. Um, You can connect with me on social media. But, you know, my, my, my Instagram is not huge, but you can still connect with me there. Watch out and just see how things progress but if you really do feel moved and feel like I'd like to connect with you there's something that I'm perhaps struggling with um I'd really like to know a little bit more then I'm very happy to hop on a call with somebody that's amazing thank you so much for that Sarah god bless you and we look forward to hopefully seeing you again soon take care thank you so much Carla bless you
You've been listening to Faith in Media with Carla Rudebeckin. Make sure you catch our episodes and hit subscribe. Please share and leave us a comment. Christians in Media is a UK charity that supports, encourages and inspires Christians from across the ever-changing media landscape. Find out more at www.christiansinmedia.co.uk and connect with us via our socials.